Good evening. Welcome back to another episode of the Shula Bowl podcast. Should probably have some more excitement in my voice, but as FAU and FIU fans know, it was not necessarily the greatest of weekends of football. And I'm currently watching my Rays down 5-0, getting shafted by the MLB. Eric Henry, FIU beat writer, SB Nation, joined as always. Full house tonight, Shane Marinelli. All things FAU for Owls 247 and our FIU superfan, Mr. David Hondel. Uh, we're not going to jump into FIU first. Quite frankly, they don't deserve it. They're one in five, and you know we'll talk about the litany of issues with the Panthers later on the podcast. Shane has had plenty of hot takes. If you are not following Shane on Twitter, good follow. Definitely recommend it at Marinelli Shane on the app, the platform, whatever you want to call it. He has been moaning and complaining in all verbs that I will assign to him about FAU's defeat at the hands of UAB. <laughs> Uh, we're going to oh, bring I'm you inside. Uh, hang on, hang on. Let me intro it first, yeah. and I'll give you all the, the – listen, all right? We're going to bring you inside our WhatsApp chats, and it's really been a discussion that's been on Shane, uh, Shane and I for the better part of the time we've known each other. Shane has very strong feelings about UAB, um, and quite frankly, he's had a lot of strong feelings about the, the two programs. When you look on paper, uh, two conference championships apiece, but Shane obviously feels uh, strongly about one program. And uh, kind of their level of superiority. So, without further ado, we'll get to the game in a second. Shane, have at it. For anyone who's seen me on Twitter, this is just going to be he and I going at it for 15 minutes. So, start, Shane. Well, I don't know what direction you want to take it in, but my, have at it. My, my, my whole thing with the game is, is, and clearly watching that game, and especially in the second quarter, FAU kind of came out, they turned over the ball, then they had another free play, and they kind of just spotted UAB on 14 points. And then FAU got it rolling, they scored on back to back drives. And we're about to go down the field on another long drive. None of these short drives. I mean, like their, their first scoring drive was 75 yards and they had an 85 yard touchdown drive. Um, and they were marching kind of all over UAB and they were heading right back down to score before halftime to take the lead 21, 17 and Nikosi, a receiver fell down, kind of looked like he, I couldn't really tell. I don't know if he just fell or he got pushed or he got tripped up. I don't think it was pass interference. I looked from the back angle. And the safety kind of came and undercut it and goes like 104 yards the other way. And I mean, that was the game, right? Like that, you know, FAU from there on out was kind of out of whack on offense. You know, they're not really designed to play down. And UAB, my whole point, like, you know, FAU spotted them, you know, I spotted them 14 and one was a 14 point swing. So there was kind of just like 21 points in swing in that game that, you know, was just FAU shooting themselves in the foot, right? Like nothing UAB particularly did. UAB um, wasn't, you know, they had one guy drop an open pass, but, you know, on the next play, FAU almost had a pick six they dropped. You know, we kind of call that a wash. Um, UAB was particularly explosive on offense. And, you know, once they kind of got out of that first scripted drive, I pointed out today that UAB only had around 200 yards of offense outside of that first drive. And it just felt that if, a, if FAU scored that touchdown going into half, they, you forced Dylan Hopkins to throw more in the second half, which just, you know, especially without, you know, UAB likes to draw up those play actions and, he likes to throw to open, wide open guys. A lot of their offense is designing plays to get guys wide open. And if you kind of forced them out of that, that whole game would have flipped. FAU was the more talented team, even despite the O-line troubles. And once 
FAU got down, the game was just it, it. The game became a game where it plays to UAB's favor. Let's just slowly cook this thing, and you know, and then FAU kind of there was like a kind of a bad call. On the, I, I don't. I, I was watching at a wedding. Obviously, you guys saw the video, so I kept up. Cocktail hour was intense for me. I did not enjoy it. Uh, <laughs> that's right about when the second half was happening. After he was not playing well, and it's just, you know, I, like I don't really know what happened on that intentional grounding, roughing the passer. It seemed like uh, you know after you had to stop there for a big loss, and it, it just you even didn't do much after that, and it just felt like if that touchdown goes in, we're, we're having a completely different conversation. We're probably talking about a nice win on the road. And I feel if FAU, you know, coming into this game, the coach Barry had one interception on the season. So it's not like this pattern of, well, you know, Kosey has those games. He threw three interceptions. There was, you know, to be a little longer here. And I, I didn't really see it a ton. Tiger did say it was an issue. He came out of the game in the fourth quarter. If you guys remember, Coach, he didn't really play much of the fourth quarter. I guess he had a bad cut on his hand, and I guess the stitches came open. Um, and it was probably a combination with this play. And, you know, Tagger said there was a little less zip on his ball. But, you know, nonetheless, you know, he didn't play in the fourth quarter, and the offense did nothing with Nick Tronti. So it just feels like FAU lost that game a lot more than UAB wanted. Actually, a lot, lot more. I mean, we're talking about two FAU plays as a 21-point swing. Eric, have at it. So here's why I disagree with Shane. And, you know, I'll kind of get to a litany of points here. Here's the first thing I want to say. As someone, and David knows this, I'm not asking you to chime in, David. I'm just kind of pointing you out for the purposes. You're the FIU person on this podcast. We've watched a lot of football over the past year and a half, or let's say the past 11 or 12 games, where we can say, if one play went this way and one play went that way, then FIU win games. But quite frankly, good teams find a way to make those things happen. I'm not saying FAU is not a good team. But I actually just finished up doing the Roost podcast with Matt Bartlett. He does a great job. And listen, I have seen a lot of good from FAU. I haven't seen great. Shane, if the question is, if is FAU a more talented team than UAB? I'm going to say that 100 times over. I'm never going to say that FAU is not. I think FAU is the most talented team in the conference. But I could easily apply the if this happened to UAB. Case in point, after UAB's first touchdown – Nikosi Perry threw, quite frankly, was a bad pick. That pass was intended for um, Mitchell Payton, a Zaire Mitchell Payton. And uh, that was a bad pick on his part. They get the ball back deep in FAU territory. If Jermaine Brown Jr. doesn't drop what was a wide open kind of, you know, uh, shallow route, he's walking to the end zone. It's a 14-0 game right there. Instead, they get in the red zone. They don't get points. So I can easily say, you talk about swings, UAB had their own swing right there where they, they should have gone up 14-0. Now, when you say that FAU isn't designed to play from behind, I, I can I can see that, especially given what Willie Taggart's trying to do on offense. But when you say that UAB didn't do anything to win it, I think that's specific to the offensive side of the football. I look at FAU's numbers, and granted, it wasn't like they had a ton of opportunity to necessarily come out and establish the run in the second half. But they didn't really run the ball all that well. And yes, there's a lot of sack yardage that goes into it when you account for the eight sacks and I don't think that those stats just happened by happenstance. I think that was great defense, especially a defense that was banged up going into that game. So listen, we can talk about FAU doing X or Y. And then, you know, if they play, uh, if you play that game a couple times over this, that, and the other, 
I just think that that really does a, a discredit to Bill Clark and his defense and the way they've established a uh, kind of a way that they want to play football. And you're talking to someone in all effort of full disclosure, Shane, who doesn't necessarily like the way they play football. I think they throw the ball downfield way too much. I think they're incredibly too boom or bust on offense, especially given, listen, if Dylan Hopkins is going to be their quarterback, I still think that's a, uh, then they're a question mark, right? And you can say that's UTSA's division to win anyhow. But I'm not even a huge fan of what UAB does offensively. I, I think they've cost themselves games over the past few years because they are so boom or bust. But the fact of the matter is this, that defense showed up, they showed out, they forced the four turnovers, they had the eight sacks. And again, UAB had their own points where they, their own times where they left points on the board. So I'd, again, I just think it's a real discredit to say that FAU it, lost this game. UAB wasn't as, truly 17 points better than FAU in that game. And if these two teams play a hundred times, listen, I think no, no, FAU will no, lose. I, I figured there was going to be a bad call. I figured FAU hasn't proven they can play a game without those mistakes yet on the road yet. It trust me. And when you say, when I say FAU's offense is designed, one thing I realize FAU's whole offense depends on them, not even running the ball consistently, but just running it. It's all the play actions. It's the wheel routes. They do. You saw that Larry McCannon and Johnny Ford each had like 50 yards receiving in that game, you know, so they, they like to use those guys in those situations. It went, once FAU got down their offense, especially the line right now, isn't designed to be like, okay, we're throwing the ball. Everyone knows it. Um, you know, we're going to drop back. We don't care if you pin your ears back. We're going to get rid of the ball quicker. They're just, they're not designed to do that right now. Like that's just a weakness in their team. It, it Western Kentucky can do that, but FAU can't. And uh, you know, it, it, Eric, I mean, just, if we could, you could talk about the other plays. But it felt like in that late first quarter, in that second quarter, FAU's offense was rolling. And it felt like if they got that one in, I think the whole complexion of the game changes at that point, right? Like, then you're going to have to start asking Dylan Hopkins to do things in the second half. You're probably not asking him. And he'd already gotten away with, you know, a couple as well. So, you know, it. You know, I just look at that game and I say, man, you play UAB again. I just look at it this way. And you're right. FAU doesn't consistently bring their A game, which is a problem right now. But FAU's A game, especially I realized after that, is definitely better than UAB's A game. Here's what I'll say, right? Because when you make the statement UAB's A game isn't as good as FAU's A game, I think that's a lot of that is predicated on the talent, which, as I've said, I think FAU is a more talented team. Again, I'm going to come back to, yes, if if FAU, because their offense was rolling, as you mentioned, they'd score two straight touchdowns. If FAU managed to get in the end zone, maybe we're talking about a different game. But again, I'll come back to if UAB gets up early two scores, then you're almost looking at a carbon copy of the game at Air Force where they have to abandon their strategy or even earlier in the contest. Here's what I'll say, because I want to kind of go big picture here, Shane. And I, I'm not asking you necessarily to follow me down this rabbit hole because I know, um, you know, it, to, to be quite transparent in, in your role right now, you, you may not be able to follow me as, as you, you uh, once could have in previous years. Right. But here's just kind of my big picture takeaway here. I would love to see, quite frankly, I kind of wish that, UAB were 6-0 right now, and we'd get a chance to see this matchup again in the CUSA title game because the East is still wide open. I picked FAU at the beginning of the year. I don't think Charlotte's going to win this division. I think FAU will find a way to turn on and play their best football and win the division. 
And I'd like to see them play UAB again, as much as I'd like to see them play UTSA. I, I, I quite frankly think that this is a different Frank Harris. And I think uh, UTSA wins that game anyhow. But to bring it back to my big picture here, I just think there's been a lot of discredit in terms of UAB as a program. And I went back and looked at the numbers. There's kind of this idea, and maybe it become maybe it's because of the way that UA, that FAU played under Lane Kiffin, that FAU was you know a superior program to UAB. When you go back and look at the numbers over the past four years, FAU their wins, their wins, thirteen of them are against winning programs, teams that had winning records. Fifteen of them are against teams that didn't have winning records. UAB. They have 14 wins against teams with winning records and 17 against teams that didn't. So when you look at it in totality, the two programs aren't that far off. And then, you know, FA, excuse me, UAB's won four division titles. So again, it just seems to me, while while I still believe Shane's point, and and a lot of this probably has to do with, you know, his insight into recruiting and, and where FAU is in South Florida, I still believe FAU is a more talented team. But I just think it does a little bit of a discredit to Bill Clark when you say that. Whether or not you can say he's getting more out of his team or or just maybe the talent gap between the two isn't as big as we'd like to make it out to be. Yeah, sure. I, I get that number surprises me a little bit. You know, I, I'm just I'm, I think Bill Clark's a good coach. I do think for a while and it did appear that, you know, and this year it's obviously the opposite. So I'm very interesting. You know, it seems like power is obviously shifted back. Conference USA West a little bit. The East is kind of, you know, I joked with FAU fans. I said, yeah, the team has holes. Tell me a team we're underdogs against, right? <laughs> you know, the rest of the way, right? Yeah. At Western Kentucky, Kentucky's tough because Zappy's going to score you, force you to score 45, but frankly, scoring 45 against Western Kentucky this year isn't that hard either. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. You know, it just, you know, they they just yeah they kind of just methodically win their games it's almost like um in a comparison to you know in a in a big picture bill clark feel, you know uh uab feels like the iowa of the conference usa for a while it's like you know they're they're never bad he's always going to have them in a, they're, they're always going to be a well coached team maybe they're not as talented as everyone else but man, they're going to knock somebody off. They're going to be competing for that, you know, Western title, right? Is, I mean, you think that's kind of a fair big picture comparison? And obviously, you might have a year like I was having right now. Yeah, no, no. I, I think that is fair. Just the fact that they methodical is the way that they win games, especially. And again, listen, um, I've been critical of UAB offense coordinator Brian Vincent and the way he chooses to run his offense. But it, it's resulted in four division titles. So what the hell do I know, right? Excuse me, I think three of those he's been the offensive coordinator for. But well, but yes, uh, or go ahead, Shane. It kind of feels like a Ferrari right now. As soon as the road gets a little slick, you know it's it's you know you're you're at a pileup, right? I mean, <laughs> do you agree it from that point of view? I I don't want to make too much of some of the sacks. A lot of people are making it. I, I pointed out that four of the sacks came on two of the last three drives with just Tronti kind of back there eating them. But Nikosi was under pressure a lot of the day. I, I know some of the backup tackles are hurt right now. Some guys that competed for spots, but you know, it, yeah, FAU's offense right now, it's, it's, you don't really know what you're going to get. I mean, you kind of agree with that statement, Eric? No, no, uh, undoubtedly, undoubtedly Shane. And really quick, you know, I kind of want to use it as a segue. Well, I kind of went big picture. 
because with both teams being on by Shane, and I apologize for, you know, kind of putting on the spot. I, I we didn't prep this pre-show. I did kind of want to take this podcast in a little bit of a, a big picture in terms of looking at the East and just what your thoughts are um, as someone who obviously follows this conference as much as anybody and, and specificity to the East. I mean, we can talk about the West in a later podcast, but with both teams on a bye and now, you know, Charlotte leading the, the, the East division right now, and quite frankly, none of their wins have truly been that impressive as in my opinion. Uh, I definitely want your thoughts, Shane, you know, have at it go as long as you want, as far as, you know, your thoughts on the East division so far through uh, six weeks. It's still that they used to win, right? Like, they are the better team than every other team in the East, right? That's even sports, even more, especially now. Marshall just, they're not playing very good football. I mean, they just, you know, I, I tried when I talked to FAU fans, I say, you know, who are freaking out about Saturday, I say, you know, Marshall just won an overtime versus a team that didn't play last year, right? Um, Middle Tennessee looks like they're capable of, getting somebody like you could definitely see it, even though it's good thing is FAU has them at home where FAU's won 12 in a row. Right. So you kind of navigate FAU schedule. Okay. What are the, probably the two tougher of your East games? Uh, two of the three are at home, Marshall, um, middle Tennessee and West Kentucky Charlotte's on the road. It, it, that game scares me, and I'm going to just come out and say, you want to talk big picture, that's a must-win for FAU, and I think for the program, right? Like, I think if they lose that game, then you, you, now you're talking your one for seven on the your last eight games on the road, and now it, a lot of negativity will start to seep, seep in big picture if they go and lose next Thursday night. I, that's it, 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 you, Fair or not, it will. Um and I do think they're a much better team than Charlotte. You know, you can't let Chris Reynolds go get hot, you know, but uh, Charlotte's defense is absolutely dreadful. But, I mean, I, I think they're the favorites here on out. I mean, I guess the one game that scares me is at Western Kentucky, but it really feels like Western Kentucky is going to go through the whole East unscathed, right? Like, it, it, there could be – we could be in the East where there is three teams with two losses, Shane. And we have some sort of tiebreaker scenario. I mean, that's what it really kind of feels like the East is heading towards. No, no. Listen, so here's what I was going to say to you, Shane. Uh, as I mentioned, I just finished up doing the Roost podcast and Matt Bartlett, you know, kind of laid it out to me this way. And I couldn't help but agree. Despite the fact that Charlotte's four and two, he and I still view the East as FAU versus whatever Bailey Zappi is able to pull out of a now one and four team. I, I'm sorry. None of, again, as I mentioned, none of Charlotte's wins have truly impressed me. I'll give him credit for winning the games and the fact that Will Hill is being able to get things back on track. And as you mentioned, that game, 7.30 on CBS Sports Network at Jerry Richardson Stadium should be a fired-up crowd. Definitely be interesting. Shane, before we pivot off of the Owls really quick, I want to get your thoughts. And again, I, I'm sorry for putting you on the spot here. You know, you may not have had time to, uh, to really kind of digest and, and prep for this. That October 30th game hosting UTEP, I still think UTEP is a measure of smoke and mirrors. If you look at their wins – Three of their wins over teams that didn't play football last year. Um, but they are talented. You know, they've got talented wideouts in Cowing and, and um, Justin Garrett and, and running backs. Any pause at all? Or, or are you just like, look, you know, it's, it's Charlotte, Marshall, Western, Middle, that, that I'm focused on. Yeah, I think there's pause every game with FAU right now. FAU's offense, though, I mean, defenses look really impressive. I know the 31 won't be super impressive. But really, they held UAB to not much without, you know, the kind of the turnover situation, right? They were putting a – I think Kevin Fielder said on the Aldous podcast that, like, 
UAB's average starting field position was like their 43. Okay. Right. So, you know, um, once they settled in, they were fine. I think they'll be able to manage versus UTEP. But right now, FAU's offense is kind of in this place where it's if they decide, oh, today's that day, we have the off day, anyone can kind of beat them, right? Like, sure. you know, like if they go to Charlotte and they turn the ball over three times, Chris Reynolds is going to find a way to kind of, you know, be uh, the kind of gamer quarterback and do some crazy things and find Vic Tucker on a few third downs and, you know, break FAU fans' heart. So, but if FAU's offense comes out and plays like it should, FAU should probably win that game by 17 points. So it, it really just depends if FAU can come out and just play their ball on offense because the defense will, will do their job enough. Um, it's just kind of how I view every FAU game going out. All right, so as we transition off of the Owls and, you know, really good conversation there with, with Shane, uh, actually went a little bit better than anticipated. So hopefully I didn't overpromise and underdeliver on Twitter as far as the fireworks are concerned. David, the Panthers are one in five. We know what happened. They're coming off of a 45-33 loss to Charlotte, one that, quite frankly, sir, I had a chance to see you Friday night. And I want to thank you um, for, uh, you know, uh, the invitation to the president's suite. That, that was a, it was nice to see how the other half lives <laughs> there at a FIU Stadium. But, uh, yeah, I, I know you had strong thoughts throughout the game, so I definitely want to leave you as much room as possible. Just want to rattle off a couple couple stats for uh, – yeah, I'm sure all the FIU fans listening know that. At that time, I, hold on, hold on. Can, can we back up here? What's up? I just want to see how David made it through that game well-behaved in the president's um, <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. You know, you know what, David? Yeah, Let, let's go there. Let's pick it up there. Yeah. Um, I didn't make it out the entire game uh, well-behaved. Um, I, As Eric saw me at halftime, I had already – it was an open bar, Shane, all right? Like, this was dangerous territory. Uh, for the game itself, especially with the product that was being shown on the field, and it was it was a uh, it was a good time yelling um, <laughs> at this team with with Danny Dennis who accompanied me accompanied me in the in the president's box. Do you like and, Danny um, Dennis in the pre- in the president's box? Never mind. Sorry. Continue. Was the pres- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Danny Danny Dennis was there. It was it was my. It was my family. Not, not, uh, not I don't feel bad at all for going in there if I knew Danny Dennis was in there. Continue. <laughs> no, it was funny because it was literally a bunch of people not watching the game. I don't think anybody stepped out of the president's box except my family and then like Danny Dennis. Like we were the and the president of the university, and um, and we we, we might have said some things he probably shouldn't have said in front of the president of the university. Um, but uh, we we move on and uh, it was absolutely brutal. Um, you know, uh, luckily they fed us nicely, and uh, yeah, man, um, this this game just really sucked, like really sucked. And I know you guys touched a, a little bit on Charlotte earlier, Shane. I think FU would destroy this team. That uh, honestly, like the fact that we were somehow in this game, um, you know, just shows how good Charlotte is because we we were just oh, it's so frustrating. I mean, this this team. Uh, is is I mean I'm sure actually Eric I'll, I'll let you go first and and throw your thing in and I'll I'll throw in some. No, well first off, just to piggyback off what you said. Now that I know that Danny Dennis was there, I don't feel any type of way about being in the presence box. And I had a chance. I want to spend a uh, send a special shout out to Mrs. Francis Handel. I had a chance to meet the star of the family. So you know, kudos <laughs> to a shout out to David's mom. Uh, but with that, yeah, here's the thing, man. FIU. <laughs> 
if they can ever get their red zone opportunities, you know, I pointed out during the game, they're 125th in the nation in red zone percentage, with you know, uh, just a little bit under 62%. That showed because, David, you saw this. In the first quarter, they get down there, have to settle for three, and then they have the drive where they go for it on fourth down. Or excuse me, how about we, we, we paint the whole picture, David? They get the, they drive, they're with inside the Charlotte 10. You have three runs against the 128th ranked run defense that nets you five yards. And then the drop pass by Bryce Singleton, which looked to be a little bit behind him. How demoralizing was that, David? Um, absolutely demoralizing. Um, we literally had six points in our hands. But yes, I agree. It was also a little behind, but those are catches that you should still be making. Uh, I mean, it was just like, it was just like mistake after mistake after mistake. And that was the first big one. Um, and it just seemed from like after the first drive, which we honestly looked very dominating. It, we kind of drove down with ease. We just kind of, it seemed like we just strayed away from our, our game plan. And then, and then just like, couldn't really get anything really going until, unless it was like a, a huge, like, you know, break play that we throw like a, an 80 yard bomb and, and Tyrese Chambers would just moss somebody and take to the house. I mean, we couldn't get like that drive that you're talking about was the start of the collapse. Like the, the not, not even the collapse because we didn't really get started, but like we couldn't really get going from then. So it was very frustrating because at that point we, sh- we would have been up, um, you know, cause with the drop, it would have been, I guess, 14, seven at that point. Well, 14, um, yeah. yeah. So, um, it, it's just like, it's, it's, I'm almost, you know, used to it. I'm not, not fully, but kind of, uh, this, that's kind of what I expect now. Like here's drops thing. and fakes and, and they just keep piling up on us. When you look at that first quarter there, that first drive, they get inside the Charlotte 12 or inside the Charlotte 20. Then you go three plays and you only get six yards. You end up having to settle for a field goal. And that second drive, as I mentioned, you know, it ends on fourth down after the drop. Uh, just to kind of rattle off some of the stats or some of the FAE fans. I know this was something that Shane, who didn't see uh, a majority of that game, was very curious. Like he said in our group chat, how did FIU outgain Charlotte and just seemingly, you know, never really be in the game? Max Bortenschlager, he is the new FIU program record or program uh, is program record holder <laughs> in a game 19 to 30 for 400. David Doach, no, is it breaking news on ESPN or is it Max Bortenschlager? Which one is it? Dude, it's the fact that I'm going to have to look at that stat for the rest of my probably life because unless we, you know, we have something of this, he's probably going to break it again against Western Kentucky. Um, dude, they're just like literally the most like pointless pat statting numbers I've ever seen because it, this is the perfect stat. Tyrese Chambers had three catches for 201 yards because he just would make huge plays and just score on his own. And, and it's just going to look like this guy is throwing for 500 yards when he honestly played, like, so bad. Like, his nuts will never tell you this. But if you watch the game, you will say, dude, like, like come on. Like, like at least give grace. And First off, this is the drive that, that actually epitomized this. They put in Kalen Wiggins at one point. Kalen Wiggins drives down 70 yards with almost ease at this point. They well, bring in Max. And they settle for a field goal. Like, come oh, on, dude. Well, well, Kalen Wiggins had 21 yards of the 70 yards on that drive and two runs. The rest of it was Devontae Price. But, well, no, but the, thing is, the thing is, though, like, it's because they knew he can run. So it kind of changed the offense Correct. a bit. But, yes, I do agree. But, but the you, one, once he came back in, 
He couldn't do anything. Correct. Max came, Max, Max came in on a third and nine and the drive stalled out. Really quick, I'll just finish up the stat line on Max. 19 to 30 for 466, four touchdowns. Uh, the one pick, which was a pick six. Tyrese Chambers, three catches, 201 yards, two touchdowns. Had four drops on the night. David, this is a interesting. Everyone had drops, by the way. This, there were right. two drops too. Like it, 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 I, I will I, say that we did have drops, but yeah, yeah. I was like, I need to go back and watch the FAU game because the FAU stat broadcast credits FIU with having twenty drops that game, which would mean that only okay. one Max Bornschlager pass fell incomplete. Uh, the FIU stat broadcast credits FIU receivers with eleven drops, David, which would mean if you do the quick math there, nineteen to thirty, they're saying every pass missed was a drop. I got to go back and watch that again um, to see that because well, I I'll, I'll tell you one that wasn't because the the, the interception was not a drop pass that right. was a complete pick six that was a right. terrible decision um, and it was like the thing is what was also the most frustrating thing about this game is that there were so many times Eric that like we would make a stop and it's like okay you know we're down ten we score here like and, and we're back in the game. We would we just couldn't do anything, and then they would score, make it seventeen, and we would score in one play. Like it's like, dude, what? You, like what is this? Like it, it was just like they just kept teasing me every every. They're like, oh, hey, let 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 let's make sure David doesn't leave yet. Let's throw this this eighty yard touchdown, um, so to to please him for five seconds, and then we're gonna allow uh, a ninety nine yard drive. Like, oh my god! By, by the way, the defense is also. Uh, it might sound like I'm putting it all on Max because like how much I, I I ripped a bit into him, but the defense also played very bad um, for most of the game. And it's it's funny because like going into the season, we always were talking about FIU's run defense. FIU's run defense is the issue, dude. Our our DBs have been uh, have been kind of getting just obliterated for a couple few games now, and like it seems like anybody can throw us, which is like funny. Eric Eric Sky is coming in in two weeks, and, and he might throw for hundred like. Like they have not looked very good, um, especially these last three games. Oh, actually, another thing that I want to note um, is that the fact that yeah, yeah, it seemed that I don't know why, but we just stopped like giving Devonte Price the ball. And I get it. We we toward the end we started like we were down by a bit, but it was like never like a a blowout scenario where you only had to pass. The fact that you only gave Devonte Price three carries in the second half is absolutely brutal um and then like i'm pretty sure he had what like he had like 13 or 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 maybe 18 carries and like 10 of them came in the first two drives and he was you know running fine he i mean he was playing well but then we just kind of started throwing every down and it was just like i don't know like it was just like bad decisions all around the team just super undisciplined too had a few dumb penalties um, you know, drops, things like that. And it just seems like nothing is going our way. Um, and I don't know. Oh, actually, I do know one thing. It's going to be a peaceful weekend knowing that FIU has a bye week. <laughs> David, I did want to get this because, you know, we're a few days away, from, a few days removed from the game. So this all is kind of can be said as far as on the field. I just, you know, you are the fan representative here for FIU. So I got to take you guys in post game. David, what do you make of it when Butch Davis says, you know, the morale of the team isn't down? He he literally said to us when we asked what the morale of the team was uh, post game. He said, 
well, I just spoke to the guys and we're, we're fired up to get back after it on Monday and figure out what our mistakes are and so on and so forth. And yes, and a certain amount of that is coach speak, but I'm just curious what, you know, your fan takeaway when you hear those things or what. I mean, it's almost like I mean, I hope it's right, but like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know how they could be. Um, it just seems like I don't know. And I mean, it it didn't seem like they quit or anything. Um, but like, I don't know how your morale is, is super high still go, going uh, into the bye week one and five and haven't beaten an FBS team in two years. So I just don't, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm hoping they're right. And I, and I saw Tyrese Chambers. Um, he seems to be like the ultimate optimist. Which is which is great, uh, but like I just don't I just don't know I I I don't know how they I, I'm, my morale is low so I can only imagine the guys playing. <laughs> no, I'm I'm inclined to agree with you. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how they come out. Um, listen, I, I I've seen some fans on Twitter say the teams quit. I don't believe that. I'm talking about the players. The, the I I've you know been around this program now for four years. I don't think the players have quit. Um, now what happens is they get punched in the mouth and then, you know, it's kind of, oh, same old FIU, you know, we're down, we're not going to fight back. That's a legit concern. And we'll see how it plays out against Western Kentucky, because as David mentioned, Bailey Zappi's coming to town and he leads the nation in passing yards. And quite frankly, is very capable of putting up 500 plus at any time. So with that, we will get ready to wrap up this episode of the Shula Bowl podcast. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore and my FIU and little FAU coverage. Hoping to boost up the FAU coverage a little bit with uh, our friend Kevin Fielder. You know, he will be kind of playing some duties between doing fine work for Shane's 247, Owls 247, <laughs> and uh, Underdog Dynasty. Almost got myself tripped up there, but you can find my coverage at underdogdynasty.com. You can find Shane on Twitter at Marinelli Shane for all things South Florida sports hot takes on sports in general and whatever happenings he's getting into around Broward County. Of course, follow his coverage at owls two, four, seven on Twitter. And last but not least, Mr. Hondel three, two, one on Twitter. That is David Hondel. Thank you for listening. No happy football watching. So enjoy the bye week and uh, we'll catch you in a little bit.
think uh, 